Hey, Jenny. Mm. Have you ever tried to get into any sporting activities before you're ready? Have I? Yes. I'm a professional dabbler. It's part of the course, really. But most recently, it would be the bodybuilding, when I decided to enter a category that usually requires a minimum of five years of intensive weightlifting. And I'd done one year. It says egalitarian sports, where literally anyone can decide to compete which can impact your health quite badly if you're not prepared. Yeah, well, we've got an episode coming up on cold water immersion, and I was interviewing the icebergers from Port Melbourne, and two guys joined them on an hour's swim that were so inexperienced, and they got really bad hypothermia. But I also think there's something to be said about pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. Like with surfing and rock climbing, for me, that's what it took to know what you had and to go to the next level. I did Muay Thai fighting, and you were basically told... Look, you're never going to feel like you're ready to get in the ring. You're always going to think, oh, in a few months, in a few months. So basically, you're just told to do it. And you did. And I did. Right now in Australia, we're in the midst of marathon season. And running is another one of those egalitarian sports where people might decide to jump from like 5K to take you on a 42K marathon. Have you seen the film Britney Runs a Marathon? No. Okay, so it came out in 2019 and is about this hard partying woman who goes to her doctor to try and score some Adderall. And she's really outraged when the doctor tells her, actually, you're overweight and you don't need this. So almost out of spite, she decides she's going to run the New York Marathon. It's based on a true story. But I've also read two books recently by former booze hounds who decided to become runners, both coincidentally called The Long Run. One is by a Canadian comedian called Mishka Shibali, and the other one is by the former editor of the Sydney Review of Books, Katriona Menzies-Pike. And so that really captures the attitude of... I have very little to no experience of doing this, but I'm just going to do it on a whim. Well, there's a massive market for podcasts from biohackers and health influencers telling you how to do things fast. But taking shortcuts does come with risks. We're going to talk to Dr. Adrian Jury about that, who just so happens is the guy who pushed me into rock climbing way before I was ready. And I've lined up our mates from the Stronger Stride podcast. It's physiotherapist Lydia McKay and exercise physiologist Sophie Lane. They're going to talk about the trends they've noticed of people who've maybe done half a marathon and then skipping loads of steps and going straight into something like ultra running. Great. Can't wait. You're listening to Spirit Levels. It's the podcast that pressure tests the wellness industry. I'm journalist Jenny Valentish. Every week with my partner, actor-filmmaker Frank McGree, we'll immerse ourselves in wellness practices from the pseudo to the sensible and we'll thresh out the benefits. It used to be that you'd only hear athletes' inspirational stories in keynotes at corporate functions, but now there are condensed versions all through our social media feeds. Long-distance running has always been out there. Races have names such as Triple Brutal Extreme Triathlon and Hurt 100. One of the very earliest US events in 1928 was the Trans-American Foot Race, but it was nicknamed the Bunyan Derby. And like Lydia from the Stronger Stride podcast says, there's nothing like standing out on TikTok or Instagram than by creating your own larger-than-life feats and persona, like the Liver King or the Iron Cowboy who did 100 Ironman triathlons in 100 days. There's some weird and wacky creations which have come out especially since COVID, people just trying to create something different just to stand out and gain traction or mimicking some of those sort of extreme athletes. There's always someone doing the next weird thing, like an Iron Man with a tree strapped to their back, like just weird shit like that, you know? It's a validation piece. I think 
like people form that identity around their grittiness or whether it's some sort of sporting endeavor and then there's more validation and hype without any real purpose because if they're doing something so strange and obscure there's not really any competition because it's unique because of the event that they've created and very frequently Goggins gets mentioned yeah look, we could do a whole episode on the gospel of Goggins and we might but yeah David Goggins has a lot to answer for when it comes to inspiring people to push as hard as they possibly can or possibly can't like a drill sergeant David films himself running and ranting at his 7.9 million Instagram followers often talking about callousing the mind by which he means continuously exposing the self to discomfort as he wrote in his memoir can't hurt me And if that title isn't the howl of an inner child, I don't know what is. I sought out pain, fell in love with suffering, and eventually transformed myself from the weakest piece of shit on the planet into the hardest man God ever created. Here's the first lines from some of his chapters. 27 hours after savouring intense, gratifying pain. And the first concussion grenade exploded at close range. And your knee looks pretty bad, Goggins. It's like torture inspo porn. Sophie thinks people who embrace it may need to look deeper. I think often it's a masking of other issues that are going on. Potentially there's some things that need to be delved into or worked on and maybe that's a little bit too uncomfortable. So the thought of going out for a 10-hour run is something that is maybe more achievable or something that they feel like they can tackle versus dealing with some problems that might be a little bit more confronting. Of all the fitness tech wearables and apps, Strava probably has the most impact on getting people to up the ante. Strava is essentially a social networking app based on tracking and sharing your activity, be it running, cycling or something else. Here's Sophie. Strava's almost become like an Instagram for runners where you're seeing these people do these crazy things and and you just want to copy it. You just think, oh, cool, if they run 50Ks, I can run 50Ks or they run every day this week, so I should be. And I think it depends on your personality type. Some people are definitely more susceptible to that, but I think it definitely allows for more comparison and allows for more data and more metrics. And I think there's a lot that comes with that that can be quite dangerous if you are someone who is a little bit more susceptible to that um, kind of comparison culture. The dark side of comparison culture might even be taking a grisly pride in injuries or pain levels. I mean, Goggins is always on about callousing the mind, as we said, but so many ultra runners' memoirs list a litany of really gruesome lacerations, lesions and stomach cramps. Here's Lydia on that. Oh, it's, it's such a thing. People will caption their run as something. Like there's the main heading and then there's a little description underneath. And their caption is always about how difficult it was. Like rolled my ankle three times. It's swollen, but didn't really bother me that much. Dropped off the pace a little bit for the last 20Ks. And like their pace is not at all different. If you go for a run with someone who's slower than you, the caption will be like, cruise with Jimmy. And it'll like be very clear that you're running with someone who is slower than you. I think we need to remember often when we rush is when things go wrong. And I think it's nice to have new technology or new strategies to get to our goals quicker or maybe enhance our recovery or our training. But if we're in a sport that we enjoy, then what are we rushing for? What's the hurry? Why are we trying to get to this end goal? Because if you're an Olympian or something like that, it's a totally different story. But for us regular weekend warriors, I think it often leads to injury or other issues. What we need to be careful of is having this never-ending challenging goal where you do 10Ks and a half, then a marathon, then an ultra, then a multi-day. I think your second goal doesn't have to be bigger and better than the first one. It can be different. It doesn't have to be something further. Both Sophie and Lydia were actually really keen to say, you know, there is something really kind of noble in the human spirit about pushing yourself into discomfort. 
and that they can see how inspired their clients often are and nobody wants to dampen that. So it's more just weighing up what's in front of you and asking if the risks are worth it to you. Okay, what's your first step when it comes to injury? What's the time at your local doctor? But your GP is also great for preventative measures. You can hit them up for tests that will help you better understand your strengths and limitations. We've got the lowdown from Dr. Adrian Jury. Not only is he a GP, but he's also an experienced ice climber and mountaineer who's had some hairy experiences. And he's the person who took me on extreme climbs long before I was ready for them. So he can appreciate running before you can walk from both angles. Now, I've got a bit of a bone to pick with you because we've been friends for 37 years and you got me into rock climbing yes. and took me to Arapolis, the mecca of rock climbing. Yes. And so I was way out of my comfort zone. Oh, it was so much fun, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and at the bottom of these climbs are plaques. And what are on these plaques, Adrian? In memory of. In memory of. Well, when you're young, you don't think of things like that, do you? But one of the points of this is sometimes when you get pushed out of your comfort zone. Yep, okay. Um, that's when you find out what you got, correct? Like surfing, correct. Correct. like rock climbing. Correct. You're a doctor, so, you know, do no harm. And yet, you're a man who appreciates the noble pursuit of taking risks. Mm. How do you manage that balance? If you've got someone coming in to see you... It's beautiful. I tell you what, I tell you what. It is all about balance. And so many times a day, I'll get my hands out like I'm doing a scales and say, risk, reward. So that's a common way I like to portray things to people, whether that's from a doctoring point of view, but I think from just life. People do injure themselves, and along the way, they do things and you think, look, really, maybe that's not the best thing for you to do. But they go, well, look, this is what I want to do. I'm taking the risk, and I hear what you say, and you go, well, I'm not too sure I really agree with you, but you're your own person. You can make your own mind up. You're a fight doctor as well, Adrian, in that you stitch up fighters in between rounds. So again, it's that sort of balance between appreciating the necessary risks that athletes have to take and care as well. Yeah, look, look I, th I think being what we call a ringside physician, it's a privilege really to be there. I think a lot of people have a view of combat sport that is based on ignorance. Most fighters might only have a couple of fights a year, maybe three or four. But the training and all that hard work they do, Frank, they are there every day training multiple hours a day, really dedicating their life, sleep, nutrition, recovery, training. It's monastic. So we're going to look at the idea of, okay, if people are going to take risks, especially with marathon season coming up, for instance. Yeah. So people who've maybe done 5K are thinking, mm. right, I'm going to do a whole marathon. So that's a big jump. That's a big training load to go from running 5.10 to running the whole marathon so lots of people come a cropper which could be a knee injury it could be a stress fracture whether it's foot femur lots of things i've just this week had a few patients people can get all sorts of tests to see where they're at with their health what ones can they come to a doctor for so mm. they can make an assessment of the risks that they can take oh that's an interesting question that one because there's, there's so many ways to look at it so if you're a younger person and you're really athletic Probably some of the standard medical blood tests. To be honest, probably you're not going to get necessarily a lot out of doing medical blood tests. If you're eating well and you don't have any underlying health conditions, we'll get to women in a sec because that can be quite different. You're probably going to go pretty well. Unless you're elite and have a tendency to really love that beautiful 
get into everything and just chart everything and write everything down and be a bit of a, a nerd about your health. Just go and enjoy it. Don't don't make it a chore or don't make it a mathematical equation. I was overtraining recently yes. for bodybuilding and my kidney function dipped to 58%. It's now back up to 87 That's fascinating that you say that because off the top of my head, when you do bodybuilding, it's not just the cut that causes the change in your creatine levels, but it's the uh, muscle mass. So it's not uncommon for bodybuilders slash power athletes, you know, like the deadlift, you know, strongman type people to have abnormal creatine, which if you looked at the standard range is out of range. But in fact, if you looked at the bodybuilder slash powerlifter person, it's probably normal. Mm. I was being sent for CT scans and the blue dye and... Yeah, so, so, so there you go. So maybe you didn't even need those scans, mate. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what about athletes who, particularly female athletes, who are losing a lot of weight because, you know, maybe they're a runner, maybe it's yeah, CrossFit, yeah. and their body fat gets really low. Mm. Is that the sort of time where they should be checking on their hormonal health? Yeah, it's a tough one, that one. I think that's, that's probably one of the toughest things you can come across. Uh, truly. Because they... Um, so I could be a middle distance runner or a long distance runner or, or, or a, a triathlete. And uh, depending on the conversations I have with my training partners and the crew of people I train with and my coach, it's all very, very tricky. You know, it's like a horse, right, isn't it? So on the Melbourne Cup, if your horse gets another couple of kilos, well, you might win the Melbourne Cup. And so likewise, if, if you and I are athletes where we've got to run or do, do some longer distance event, if we're carrying extra kilos, maybe we won't win. So there's this, it's not necessarily perverted, but it's very it's a very tricky, tricky sort of balancing act. Yeah, so you're kind of deliberately taking one for the team when it comes to your health. What about in general, should women get their hormone levels tested if they're embarking on any kind of fitness regime? I think if you're older, there's, the, the conversation changes. Again, depending on the person, there's probably a whole range of tests that you could do. So like if I'm older, my thyroid, which is your little gland in the front of your neck, that's a fine tuner of metabolism. So if it's too low, you're like a sleepy bear. If it's too high, you're like a little squirrel ferret running around everywhere. So certainly when you're older, you want your thyroid checked. And that definitely could impact your health and your, your ability to work hard. Probably checking your iron level is a great idea. So one of the things is ferritin. So Frank, that's the protein to which iron's bound. So what's interesting, when you go to the, the laboratory sort of bell curve of, of the standard distribution. So we might, depending on the lab, give 30 as a lower cutoff. But if, if you're really trying to be an elite athlete or, or a very vigorous, active person, you probably want that to be a bit higher. You probably want it above 50, more towards 60. So Jenny and I decided to get our own tests so we can safely embark on all sorts of crazy missions in the name of this podcast. This was thanks to the crack team from the Holsworth Research Initiative at the Latrobe Rural Health School, Brett Gordon, Blake Collins and Dan Wondersitz. They have exercise science and physiology backgrounds and some pretty schmick equipment. Push, 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 keep going, keep going, keep going, push, 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 and relax. That's Dan. They got us to do these tests. A DEXA body composition scan to see what we're made of, a VO2 max test which measures cardiovascular fitness and aerobic endurance, a blood glucose test, 
isokinetic dynamometry, which measures joint movement and muscle torque, and the Wingate test, which measures anaerobic capacity. But rest assured, you can get all these tests too. They're just things you have to pay for. For example, you can find VO2 max testing at athletic development, athletic performance and sports medicine facilities, which are in every city, from about $200 Australian dollars to almost $400, if you include lactate testing. And DEXA body scans are from about $100, but you'll need a referral from your doctor. Here's Brett and what the DEXA does. So the, the DEXA scan is what we call dual x-ray. We get you to lie on the bed. It takes about six to eight minutes. What we're looking for is how much radiation is emitted from that beam, goes down onto the, onto the bed, so through your, your body, and then is reflected back up to the beam. What we can do from this is put all the calculations together to work out your body composition, so how much of your overall mass is fat tissue, how much is water, how much is what we call lean mass, and then we can also look at bone density as well. And Dan told us that anyone would be suitable for using the DEXA if they're interested in what their body composition is. So, okay, you might be an elite athlete and you want to know how much muscle mass you have. If you're going to compete in bodybuilding, you'd want to know how much fat you have and if it's going down. But there are no barriers to who should be using it. If you've got the money to pay for it and you're curious, why not? Maybe you and your doctor want to see how overweight or underweight you are. Or maybe you want to look at your bone density in relation to osteoporosis. Maybe that runs in your family. The results use normative data to give you a rough idea of where you should be based on your age. But Frank, I know you were most excited about the VO2 max test, which most people are. looks pretty cool. Well, you know I'm obsessed with longevity, and the VO2 max test is the best indicator of longevity. So to explain what the VO2 max test does, you're on a bike or a treadmill, and the test is looking at how much oxygen you can metabolise. As Blake Collins explained to us, as the test progresses, they keep cranking up the resistance every minute until you reach your volitional exhaustion, which is a fancy way of just saying you can no longer keep going. It's got some really cool uses. If you're an athlete, it can look at your different energy systems, and you can use that data to maximise your training. It's also used for things like cardiac rehab. The fitter you are at baseline, the less likely you are to have a cardiac event. It was a freaky experience. I think people would be familiar with it if they saw it. You've got a, um, a tube coming out of your mouth. You've got a mask that's like the face hug of an alien. And it's like Bane out of Batman. Your nose is being pinched. So, so the whole effect's really claustrophobic and freaky. And you didn't know what to expect because you actually go to fail. But when you're getting towards the end of the fail, you think, I can keep going for ages, but you don't. You, you fail within about 15 seconds of when yeah. you actually think you're going to go downhill. And we were doing it on a bike, but you could equally do it on a treadmill. And they've actually got a harness for the treadmill because your legs will literally just give out underneath you. Yeah. And you'll go flying off and go flying across the room. There are, by the way, fitness trackers that can give you an approximation of your VO2 max. So things like the Apple Watch Ultra, the Garmin Phoenix 7, Garmin Enduro, and the Fitbit Charge 5 will give you an idea, but this is the gold standard test that we did. We also did another test on the bike, the Wingate anaerobic test, where you cycle at maximum effort for 30 seconds and they're yelling, go, 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 go. And it's used to measure your anaerobic capacity and power outputs. 30 seconds is a really short space of time. And he was going, you're doing really well. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm right near the end. He goes, you're 10 seconds in. And I'm like... <laughs> Far out. <laughs> so, Frank. Yes. 
We absolutely nailed it with our VO2 max scores for our age brackets. We came in at superior, or maybe it was superb, I can't remember. It was the top bracket. Your score was 42.4, mm-hmm. and my score was 45.6. Yeah. Even though my score was higher, you did better because females... Females. Females. <laughs> scores are different, so you were better than so, me. So just better, yeah. Well, you were... You, yeah. <laughs> you were going harder though. I mean, you were just like your little legs were just going. I mean, I was hardly breaking a sweat. So I mean, like a cell to, toy. to you as well. <laughs> Frank, what did you reckon of your Dexa results? Um, well, my bone density was good. That was well above average. <laughs> um, and my body fat was well. It just came around in the middle section. So you're average. No, I'm not average. My body fat is. It's gonna hurt. It hurts. So the next episode we're going to do is fasting. Frank's going to fast and not eat anything for seven days. Okay, so we're going to be getting all those tests done again in about six months' time. So what changes do you want to see, Jean? Well, I'm going to beat my own VO2 score, obviously. Um, and I'm going to do that by training in zone two cardio three times a week. Zone two means you're pushing things to about 70% of your maximum heart rate. So you can pretty comfortably keep it up, but at the same time, you're not phoning it in. And hot tip, there's actually a website called songbpm.com and you can find songs there with a decent BPM. So you want to be looking at between 120 and 144 beats per minute and that will keep you in a zone two range. That's fascinating. We'll be getting our bloods done in another episode to see what kind of things you can look out for. Yep. And Frank, did Adrian not tell you ages ago to get a cardiac test to look for coronary artery disease? Yes, he did. How and long ago was that? That was approximately six months ago. Right, have you done it? No. So if I die, <laughs> if I die now, I give Jenny authority to keep this podcast going. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need your permission. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Adrian did give me a referral to a coronary artery scan. And in classic blokey way, it's been six months and I haven't done it. Mm-hmm. And I do have a really good friend called Steve Jeffers, he ignored all the signs of um, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, and he was riding his bike and he dropped and fell to the ground and died for 11 minutes. And he was miraculously revived. The only other cyclist, it was really early in the morning, the only other cyclist to come along was a doctor. And Steve has now become quite rightfully zealous about this and, and passing on the message of look after your health, right? So presumably that's what you're going to be doing now and really being very careful and not taking any risks, Frank. Yeah, yeah. Now look, I mean, it's important for me to test my limits. Yeah, right. Well, I've actually come up with a bit of a backup plan because you have said this kind of thing for quite some time. What do you mean? Well, uh, I'll show you. Hi, it's Frank here. What are you doing this week on spirit levels, Jenny? That's very interesting. I'd like to hear about that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Good, isn't it? Technology. You do know how I make my living, don't you? <laughs> I'm a voiceover artist. <laughs> this is a big threat to my industry, and you're just just flaunting well, it in my face. You're a big threat to my industry, my personal industry. You are threatening it. What else we got here? Yes, Jenny. Yes, Jenny. Yes, Jenny, I, be- I bequeath you all my assets and revoke you of all responsibility of raising my three children. So hang on. So if I die, you're not going to help. You're not going to help my kids out. 
emotionally or financially. I, I feel that you've given them a, a brilliant start in life and, and you know, they haven't flown the nest, but in theory, they would have flown the nest with, with all their faculties and tools for life. They call you their new mum and you're just going to... <laughs> No, I'm, pre- I'm prepared for you to come back on board as Oh, thank, oh, thank you very much. Oh, thank, yeah, you, yeah, thank you so much yeah, for that. But you have to get that test. Okay, I'll get the test. Okay. Yeah. Shake. You've been listening to Spirit Levels, a weekly show with Jenny Valentish and Frank McGree. Subscribe to hear our show every Tuesday and we'd love to see you on Instagram. We're Spirit Levels Podcast. And TikTok, where we're Spirit Levels. See you next week. Isokinetic dynamometry. I can't say that fucking word. Dynamometry. Which measures joint movement and muscle talk. Isokinetic dynamo. Dynamo. You say it again first. Isokinetic dynametric. Isokinetic dynamo. Say it. Say it. Isokinetic dynamometry, which measures joint movement and muscle talk. Isokinetic dynamometry, which measures joint movement and muscle talk. Okay. <laughs>